covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is the first edition of 2018. We've been off for a couple weeks for the holidays, but the holidays are now in our rearview mirror, and we are back rolling along. And we're literally just weeks away from this point from pitchers and catchers reporting. It always seems like once you pass the holidays, before you know it, spring training is here. And uh, we're still continuing to kind of wait to see what this Brewers roster is going to look like. I think most people assume there, there's still some major pieces to the 2018 Brewers that are not yet on the team. But again, we just have to wait and see. A few housekeeping uh, things to take care of. First and foremost, if you happen to be a first-time listener to the podcast, welcome. We've been doing this for uh, just under a year. We record the podcast on uh, Sunday nights. We always have a featured guest uh, during the season. We generally have a couple guests as we uh, bring in one of the minor league experts as well. Uh, but during the offseason, we've generally had just uh, one guest uh, on these podcasts, but uh, certainly appreciate you being uh, tuned in and hope you uh, listen in each and every week. More often than not, we record the program on Sunday nights, so uh, just as you listen to it, if you're listening to it later in the week, who knows, maybe there's some sort of major signing by the Brewers. Uh, Just know that the content that we are speaking of right now is based off uh, where we are at on Sunday night. Also, if you do happen to listen to the program on Apple Podcasts, would love for you to take a moment and uh, leave a rating or a review, whatever that is. That certainly helps us out and helps people find the podcast, which uh, is important. We hope that people uh, enjoy the podcast, which if you're listening, I hope you do, and we'd love for more people to uh, find the podcast out there. On the program uh, this week, our featured guest in our social media conversation is going to be uh, Kyle Loebner, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at BrewFrostyMug. He is one of our uh, normal contributors here uh, to the program, so we uh, look forward to uh, talking with him here in uh, just a few moments. You can uh, read him over at the Timber Rattlers website, also uh, at Shepherd Express, and if you follow him on Twitter at BrewFrostyMug, he does... The uh, the frosty mug and the quick mug, he does that on uh, almost every uh, day basis, and that's a great way to uh, keep up to date on all the brewers-related items that's out there on the uh, on the interwebs, I guess you can say, on an everyday basis. So he's going to join us in a few minutes. Also, we're going to do a headlines of the week. It's more like a headlines of the last three weeks since uh, we've not had a podcast. We're going to hit some of the uh, bigger headlines since uh, from you know late December to now, so we're going to touch on that in just a little while. As I continue to watch this, and look, you know, a lot of people out there are asking the question, why are the Brewers not more active? Why haven't they made some major signings? And, you know, they've made some small moves with, uh, you know, Boone Logan is the most recent one. He's going to be a piece in the bullpen. Obviously, bringing back Giovanni Gallardo, signing Jolice Chassin, and we'll get all that in, in the headlines of the week. Uh, they've made some small moves, but so far, no move makes you really feel like it's going to have a huge, profound impact on this upcoming season. Now, now you look at it from a Brewer's perspective and you say, well, why aren't they making more moves? Well, when you take a step back and look at it more from an entire Major League Baseball perspective, really the, you know, the, the cliche is that the hot stove has been pretty darn cold. There's been some teams that have made some moves, but this has been one of the most unactive, if that's a word, unactive uh off seasons that we have seen in baseball going into a new year it just there, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of moves being made and whether it's with free agents 
uh, and you know players asking for more money than teams want to give them whether it's trades and teams asking other teams for more than you know the other teams want to give away whatever it might be it there just hasn't been a lot of activity but i think when you look at it from a very brewers centric perspective one of the things i have to wonder i wonder if david stearns the brewers general manager is kind of stuck in this like in-between land, for lack of a better term. I'm creating fictional places now. Where the process of the rebuild seems to be accelerated based off the success of the 2017 Brewers. Yet the long-term plan, and you know, technically and officially, uh, David Stearns, Matt Arnold, Craig Council, they would never put a... They would never publicly say that there was some sort of timeline that they got to be in the playoffs by this year and they got to be competing for a division championship by this year and in the NLCS by this year and in the World Series by this year and winning the World Series by by a certain year. You know, they they've never put that on because by by doing that you you set limitations. If going into this past year in spring training, if the question would have been, hey, when do you think that this team is going to be competing for a playoff spot? And Craig Council would have said, oh, we're still a couple years away from that. You kind of limit your expectations for that season. And the Brewers absolutely competed for a playoff spot this past year. So everybody kind of assumes at that point that this rebuild is accelerated. And I, I, I don't know where I, you know, part of my job is to come and bring strong opinions this isn't really a strong opinion here. I'm just kind of throwing this out there. And there's no really way to, to kind of confirm or deny this. But I just have to wonder if the, the, the success of this past season has actually kind of thrown a wrench into the whole thing. Because there, there, there was a plan. There is a plan on when this team is going to be competing at a high level. And no matter what anybody says, the plan was not for them to be competing for a playoff spot this past year. They absolutely overachieved. But how does that impact the way you're going to go about this offseason? How many of your assets are you willing to sell off for Major League talent when you've put so much into this so-called rebuild? And if there's is there possibly a belief that maybe this team's going to take a step back this next year, playing to kind of the expectations of, of where they were at prior to this past season? I don't know. I'm just throwing this out here because it, I, they, they could be stuck in this world where there are high expectations outside of the organization from fans based off this team almost making into the postseason this year, but also where they are trying to kind of fulfill those expectations while also not deviating off of a plan that required young, controllable, cost-controlled talent coming through the system. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things right now that, that David Stearns is probably trying to deal with. You know, you go back to the winter meetings where you know they, they talked about the fact that there were many, many conversations with other general managers. And I just have to assume that those conversations that seemingly didn't lead to anything, that the teams that David Stearns was talking to, that those teams were quite simply asking for too much. And that from a long-term perspective and the young cost-controlled talent that this team has, that that Stearns and, and the rest of the front office making these decisions sat here and said, it's not worth it 
to bring in this major league player, maybe maybe one, maybe two, maybe three years left on a major league uh, contract. It's not worth it to bring these guys in, give up, you know, prospect X, Y, and Z, and then uh, go into a situation where down the road maybe they don't have that player that they acquired and they don't have those young players. I don't know. I just have to think that because this has been such a quiet offseason so far. And I really thought they'd be making moves with other teams, and they still might. There's a lot of players out there that are still, you know, reportedly on the trade block. I know it's a little bit frustrating when you see the divisional rivals. So to me, the the rivals in the division, no disrespect meant to the Reds and the Pirates, and they're they're good teams. I think the Reds, we saw them continue to approve. No disrespect meant to those teams, but you look at the Cubs – you look at the Cardinals and you see that they've made a number of moves and they've brought in some some guys with some name value, and the Brewers have not yet uh, quite done that. So we'll just uh, again we're we're in a holding pattern. We will wait and see on what's going to happen there. All right, uh, let's go through uh, what the last uh, you know last couple weeks of 2017 and the first week of 2018 look like. It is time for this week's headlines of the week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. All right, so we call it Headlines of the Week, and generally that is the case, but coming off a two-week hiatus, it's really Headlines of the last three weeks. We'll go with the most recent and uh, go back from there. Uh, the first bullpen addition for the Brewers this offseason at the big league uh, level is Boone Logan, according to uh, multiple reports, including uh, MLB.com. Logan has passed a physical exam, and he is set to sign a one-year contract that's going to guarantee him $2.5 million. It also includes a club option for 2019. The Brewers are going to have to uh, remove someone from the 40-man roster to make room. Uh, Last year with the Indians, he was limited to just 21 innings in uh, 38 games because of a lat injury in his left shoulder. But that was really his first big uh, injury and first time that he's uh, missed a lot of time. He's been pretty durable throughout the course of his uh, career. So he's going to be part of the bullpen, and uh, we'll see what he looks like uh, moving forward and how that maybe impacts Josh Hader as well with uh, Hader being a left-hander in the bullpen. Logan's a left-hander in the bullpen, although Hader gives you multiple innings, and uh, Logan generally is more of that uh, lefty specialist kind of individual. And uh, the uh, other signings that uh, are a few weeks old now, and we, we touched on them a bit here in our uh, in our opening portion of the program, and we'll talk more about it with Kyle Loebner in just a few moments, uh, was the additions of both uh, Giovanni Gallardo and Jolie Chassin for uh, Gallardo, one-year non-guaranteed deal, $2 million base salary, $2 million more uh, in incentives. There are some incentives based off uh, numbers that you would get as a starter, other incentives based off numbers you would get as a relief pitcher. So no real, we don't really know if he's going to be a starter or a reliever uh, moving forward. Uh, the other guy, Jolie Chassin, this past year with the Padres, 13-10, and 10, 3.89 ERA, 180 in a third innings, uh, very good slider. That's probably what he's uh, most known for and uh, he's someone who uh, is going to be a big part of this team. You know, this is the this is the biggest signing of the year because this is a guy that you're going to place into the starting rotation and he's going to be there. He's not a top of the rotation guy. He's a middle rotation guy. You look at him as probably a three or four, probably not five, but three or four, and uh, you just go forward with him. So uh, Chassin signs uh, his deal and 
That's um, it's a two-year deal, fifteen and a half million dollars, reasonable money for a guy like him. So that seems to be a pretty good thing. Uh, the Brewers do lose a player. They had uh, they had claimed Dylan Baker off waivers from Cleveland. However, uh, they had to uh, clear a spot on the forty-man roster with the uh, Chassin signing. So they designated him for assignment. They were hoping to be able to sneak him through and then be able to assign him into the minor leagues. That did not happen, and uh, with that. They ended up uh, trading him now over to uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers for uh, cash considerations more than anything else. So uh, this is something that David Stearns has done a lot of. He did that a ton uh, last year. Adam Walker, Blake Parker, uh, Steve Geltz uh, were just uh, among the players who they picked up uh, off waivers and then ended up never uh, being able to be part of the organization because you know, that final spot on the 40-man roster, it is just a revolving door with the Brewers. And the idea is that you claim them if they're better than kind of that current 40th guy, and then if you get an opportunity to get somebody better than them, maybe you're able to uh, designate them. Nobody picks them up, and they end up in your minor league system, and you have them available in the future. Either way, that is not going to uh, be the case uh, with Baker as he ends up going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Those are the last three weeks' worth of Headlines of the Week. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for our social media conversation. Our first guest of 2018 is a guy that you can read over on the Timber Rattlers website, also uh, in the Shepherd Express. His name is Kyle Loebner. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brew Frosty Mug. He does uh, the, uh, the daily mug, the quick mug, uh, on his Twitter account, pretty much on a uh, daily basis, and he joins us right now on the program. Kyle? I always appreciate you taking some time. How are you doing? I'm good. It's an honor and a privilege to be the first guest of 2018. Well, uh, we certainly appreciate you uh, you taking some time. and uh, It's been an interesting offseason for the Brewers, interesting in the sense that there hasn't been a lot. And with all due respect to Boone Logan, Jolice Chassin, Giovanni Gallardo, there haven't been uh, – there's no new Brewers that I think many people would say are going to have a profound impact on the 2018 team. Maybe Chassin is the closest to that. What's your uh, what's your takeaway that here as we record this on the evening of uh, Sunday, January 7th, that the Brewers have yet to really make a move that you feel like is going to make a huge impact on this team? Yeah, I think this offseason's been a little bit underwhelming. Um, and I think the perspective that's important to keep in regards to that is that for about 27 teams so far, this offseason has been underwhelming. Uh, the Brewers haven't been very active, but really, except for the Angels, who got Shohei Otani um, and crossed some other items off of their wish list, and the Yankees, who acquired Giancarlo Stanton, it's been a pretty quiet offseason for just about every team across baseball. Um, and a lot of the top free agents, almost all of the top free agents, in fact, are still out there at this point. But if you look at this Brewer team right now, um, if the season started today, this would be a Brewer team that would once again have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. Um, they're one of just a handful of teams with a luxury tax number under $100 million. Their payroll projects to be under $70 million. Um, And it would be, yeah, if the season started right now, it would be a little bit of a disappointment for this team. And I think um, they would have some work to do to overcome the you know, kind of perception that they went cheap with an opportunity to maybe put the pedal to the metal and have an opportunity to win right away. 
I I addressed this during my opening monologue on the show, and I, I don't really know where I stand on this. I just kind of presented this as a possibility. So let me throw it at you. Are the Brewers sure. kind of stuck in this in-between land right now where they're ahead of schedule in terms of how they competed this past year, but also at a position where you know this this probably deals more with trades than free agent signings but also in a position where maybe they can't go make that blockbuster trade because they're still in that rebuild and they can't give away as much or don't want to give away would be the better way to say it don't want to give away as much at this point in kind of the maturation of this process don't want to give away uh more than you know what basically don't want to give away what people are asking if that makes sense no i i think that's probably fair and i think to be fair, they were probably stuck in a similar point a year ago at this time. I mean, when you look all the way back to the 2016 Brewers, we came into that season expecting, you know, maybe 100 losses and a rebuild that really bottomed out. Um, that never really happened. That team was a little better than expected. Uh, last year's team was also a little better than expected. And so it puts this team in a position where I think the pressure is on a little earlier than anybody expected. Um, and so, yeah, it certainly... You know, from a management's perspective, I can see wanting to take the long view, um, wanting to avoid giving up, you know, possibly six years of a guy like Corbin Burns or Lewis Brinson to get a couple of years of a guy who may put them over the hump in the short term. But the problem is that nothing is really guaranteed uh, for this team. And there's two possibilities that I think have to be taken into account um, it's kind of a, a counterpoint to continuing the rebuild. The first is that, you know, when you have prospects, especially when you have pitching prospects, there is no guarantee uh, that they are going to be long-term successful. Um, when you look at, you know, look at where the Mets are right now as a franchise. Um, this is a team that built around young pitching. They were very good for a brief period of time. But when the wheels came off, boy, the wheels really came off for that franchise. Um, and that's a franchise now that may be a long time away from their next window to compete again. And the other thing you have to consider when you're in a division with the Chicago Cubs, and this was especially the case, I think we talked about this at the trade deadline a year ago, there is a very real possibility that the Brewers' rebuild goes as well as expected. And this team has you know, a five-year window where they average 92 wins or something like that, and they never win the NL Central because they share a division with the Cubs and Cardinals who you know, stand prepared to be perpetual competitors in their own right. So the Brewers have to take an opportunity to pick their shot. Um, and I think you know, across the fan base, there is probably some level um, of disparity between the fans who would like to see them win one World Series, even if it means that they are bad for the four years around that, and the fans who would like to see them just kind of continue to chase 88 to 90 wins year in and year out and hope that it all comes together once but be competitive every year. Um, all the way back when I was running Brew Crew Ball, this was a frequent discussion in the comments of my posts um, with people who felt both ways about it. And I think there's, there's some argument for both ways. But at the end of the day, um, I'd like to see this team at least find some opportunity to go for it. I would bet that if the Kansas City Royals finish last place in the American League Central for each of the next 10 years 
every single Royals fan would not trade an 85-91 season in those years for the for the back-to-back World Series and the World Series championship. So I I, I see where you're going with that, but I but I also think you know, I, I think there's a lot of similarities between the Brewers rebuild and the Royals rebuild. That's a, that, that's a comparison I make fairly often. And if they can get to the World Series and win that thing, I think it's probably worth a lot of losing seasons. That's my that's my opinion. Yeah, there's a challenge there because, you know, and we saw this at the start of the rebuild for the Brewers, too. Um, there were a lot of fans clamoring for a rebuild uh, with this team. Uh, and there were a lot of fans who were somewhat, you know, semi-excited, as excited as you can be when a team tears it down. Um, but that did not immediately translate into ticket sales. Um, and, and so, you know, for the Brewers as a business, they have to be aware of the fact that a full-fledged teardown or, you know, even a decision not to be as good as they possibly could be has an impact on ticket sales. It has an impact on TV ratings. It eventually has an impact, at least in a small way, on the bottom line of the franchise. Um, so as easy as it is to, to paint a long window and say, okay, let's wait and let's take things slow and let's build up, um, if fans don't come out and if casual fans don't come out during that time, there's a very real financial loss that comes with that. You wrote a piece over at the Shepherd Express back in uh, mid-December after uh, Giovanni Gallardo was signed. This is a. This is not the same Giovanni Gallardo that uh, was with the Brewers the last time. Uh, this is a guy who hasn't had a ton of success recently. He's had some injuries. Uh, who knows if he's going to be a starter, if he's going to be a bullpen guy, or if, he, if he's even going to make the team. What are your expectations of what Gallardo can bring to the Brewers in 2018? Well, I think... You know, if you look a year ago at this time, the Brewers had just brought in Tommy Malone um, to be kind of a six-starter, a long guy out of the bullpen. And when you look at the way this Brewer roster shakes out right now, it's very possible that what you're looking at is effectively Tommy Malone with a little higher upside. Um, Gallardo has had some success in the big leagues. Um, He hasn't really had any since about 2015, uh, which is getting further away by the day at this point. But with that said, he is a guy who throws relatively hard um, during his time the last couple of years now with the Mariners. Um, he has hit a little higher on the radar gun than he had in the past. Um, and so there's reason to believe that he is at least healthy enough. Um, the Brewers don't need him to be an opening day starter. They may not even need him in the rotation at this point. Um, but certainly having him around as a guy who you know, they may be able to tap at some point or they may be able to look to as a reclamation project, I think raises the upside of this team by a significant amount. Now, it's tough to tell. Um, by mid-March, this experiment may be over. Um, and if it gets to be opening day, and it is clear that Gallardo is not going to be happy in a relief role, this experiment may come to a very quick end. But I think it's something that's worth looking at, and I feel like at this point um, there's really no risk for the Brewers. You're looking at a, a very small, non-guaranteed contract for a guy who could either be a great story um, in kind of a, an opportunity for redemption or a guy who may not be around very long, and this may be the footnote to the story on his Brewers career. Uh, Jolice Chassin is someone who um, his slider is is the pitch that people look to as maybe a reason that he can have a lot of success. He wasn't he hasn't been bad in his career. In fact, uh, when he came up in the Rockies organization, I saw a lot of him pitch because I was uh, the Sky Sox, Colorado Springs Sky Sox at the time were the AAA affiliate of the Rockies, and I, I broadcast a whole lot of games that Chassin was pitching at the at the AAA level um, last year. 
sub four ERA, thirteen and ten record with a bad Padres team. Uh, it's not a sexy signing, but this is a guy who should be um, at least an above average starter, kind of a, a three, four, or five guy in the in the rotation, right? Yeah, I think that's a good fit for him. I mean, if he had gone to a team where he had needed to be in the top half of the rotation, I think he might have been a little bit outmatched there. But you're talking about a guy, you know, the season he had a year ago compares relatively reasonably to about what Zach Davies had a year ago. Um, Davies was on a better team and got a few more wins for it. Uh, But Chassin and Davies, actually, by the numbers, are relatively similar pitchers. They're both guys who... Um, tend to have shorter outings and come out of games a little earlier. Uh, they both averaged a little less than six innings a start and a little more than 90 pitches a start last year. Um, but when they're in there, they can be effective. Um, and for Chassin, it is that slider that is the, the big-time calling card. And he has an opportunity with this Brewer team, with a, a bullpen that projects to be relatively good, um, to be a, a pretty good contributor on a Brewers team in a rotation that needs a little bit of help, um, that has an awful lot of depth, but very few clear candidates to pitch in the rotation to start the year. Um, I, I think he slots in, like you said, probably the number three, number four spot. You put him there and you don't worry about him for a while. Does uh, Boone Logan do anything for you? You know, it's an interesting move. Um, certainly it's a very incentive-laden move, which it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, it's not a big-time exciting move for me, but I think – you know, when you look across baseball at the contracts the relief pitchers are getting, um, if the Brewers had the option of either giving $52 million to Wade Davis or about $2 million to Boone Logan, I'm happy they decided to go this route. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that the relief contracts that we're seeing out there, even for some of the kind of second-tier guys, even to bring back a guy like Anthony Swarzak, um, are very clearly um, the market for relievers is going up in a big way. The value across baseball is certainly improving. And when you look at you know some of the success the Brewers have had the last few years, guys like Anthony Swarzak, guys like Brandon Kinsler, um, those are guys that the year before they were successful at Brewers, they were minor league free agents. Um, so certainly you hope that the Brewers can continue the trend of kind of finding opportunities with reclamation projects, with minor league free agents, uh, to fill some of those gaps in the bullpen without having to go out and overpay for something like that. And it, you can see, again, the luxury that Brewers have by having a lot of team control for a guy like Corey Knable, um, that they don't need to go out and build their bullpen in free agency. They can afford to just kind of tinker around the edges this way. Generally, the thought process is if you're a free agent in baseball and you get signed early, you're probably making a lot of money. And then as it stretches into the new year and stretches into February and you get close to spring training, all of a sudden demands start to go down and the market starts to favor the team as opposed to the player. In fact, we have uh, we saw over the last couple of days that reportedly Alex Cobb has lowered his demands and he's a name that has been rumored to uh, to end up with the Brewers. Does the if Let's say David Stearns is kind of going with a long play right now, that nothing happened at the winter meeting, so at this point you kind of take a step back and you see what becomes available late, late, late in the market uh, in terms of the calendar year. Could this all end up playing out well that maybe all of a sudden the Brewers, and I know they have payroll money to spend, I get that, but there's still some guys that are probably going to ask for... The, the, the Brewers seem very rigid in terms of we value a guy at X amount of dollars, and that's what we're going to pay him, and we're not going to push beyond that. At least that's the sense I get, that they, they very much want to pay guys what they think they're worth. 
Could the longer this goes and as cold as the hot stove stays, could this eventually come back to benefit the Brewers because players start to come back closer to where the Brewers actually value them from a financial standpoint? Yeah, I think that's possible. I mean, I think, you know, player to player and agent to agent, the point where that price starts to come down is probably different. Uh, there will be guys that, there will almost certainly be guys this year that are free agents into March. Um, the market is just stretching out that way. The teams are going to report to spring training, and you're going to have players, as we've had the last few years now, um, that are still looking for teams as camp is going on. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that does generate something of an advantage for the teams. I do think at some point, though, you're going to see this wake up because we are starting to see the word collusion thrown around. Yeah. Um, and, and we're starting to see, you know, when, when it's all 30 teams that recognize that they can lower prices by waiting, um, it becomes hard to build the argument that they are not um, collectively waiting um, and trying to drive the price down in that way. So, you know, I think we'll see some free agents come off the board. Certainly, the further in we get, the more the advantages to the teams. But when there are this many teams shopping, uh, the free agents still do have some leverage. You know, it's not like there's one team left with money to spend. At this point, there's about 25, 26 teams left with money to spend. Um, And so I do think you'll still see these guys get paid a fair amount. Your most recent piece over at Shepherd Express that came out over the last few days, you, you, uh, you did a kind of a deep dive into the Ryan Braun contract. And basically, this is what it looks like uh, over the next few years. This year is a base salary of $19 million, plus with the adjusted signing bonus of $1 million. The total salary this year is at twenty. Next year, 18 base plus the $1 million takes him at 19 2020, a $16 million base, giving him a uh, total salary of 17. And then there's a mutual option for 2021. That includes a $4 million buyout uh, where he would be paid $15 million. If we're talking a year ago, Kyle, based off his uh, production, what, from 2016, he was vastly underpaid based off the market. Uh, after this past year where he didn't play enough games, he's probably a little bit overpaid. But when, as we see salaries continue to rise and rise across baseball, he wasn't crazily overpaid. Uh, I guess more than anything else, kind of, and we encourage people to uh, to head to shepherdexpress.com and, uh, and read your most recent piece, but what motivated you to, uh, to take kind of a longer look again at his contract? Well, I think... You know, there's kind of a perception out there, and there has been for a while, that this Braun contract is just a, a huge albatross for the Brewers, that the Brewers need to find a way to get out from under it, that even if they get nothing for it, that would be okay. Um, and I wanted to take another look to kind of highlight the fact that, you know, if Ryan Braun were a free agent today, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he would get more money than what he is due over the next three years from the Brewers, I, well, um, which is three years and about $60 million. Absolutely. That, I'm glad you said that. Not to interrupt you, and I'll let you continue in a second, but I just want to stop here for a second because I've believed that for a while, and I've I've said that over and over and over on this podcast and on my extra inning shows that I do on WTMJ after games. I absolutely believe that as a free agent, Braun would get more. Even right now, coming off the season he just came off of, I think he would get more than what he is owed. So that's why when there's trade talks and people talk about you know the, the Brewers have to eat in some of the contract, it's never made sense to me because teams out there, I think, would pay him that. So there's, there's my sidebar. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's important to note this contract is still producing, or at least has recently been producing, a fair amount of surplus value. Um, that when you look at the value of production on the free agent market, 
Um, the value that Braun has produced for the Brewers over the duration of his current contract is up in the hundreds of millions of dollars um, over what he has been paid. Now, we're to the end. We're to the, the backloaded portion of the contract, and we're at the point where the Brewers are just hoping to break even on the rest of this deal. But with that said, it's entirely feasible that they do. Um, it, you know, Braun would not have to be extraordinarily productive for the next three years. Uh, wins above replacement is the, the stat we use to, to kind of measure that. If Braun's worth about 1.7 wins above replacement, which is not a high bar for the next three years, it's roughly a break-even contract for the Brewers the rest of the way. And so I thought it was a good opportunity this winter to you know kind of once again take a look at Braun's trade value, do a quick reset of where the Brewers stand, to kind of highlight the fact that this isn't the contract the Brewers need to be rid of. Um, either for financial flexibility or because Braun is hurting the franchise at this point. And so, you know, if you're going to even consider moving Braun at this point, um, it almost certainly needs to be to get players back um, and not just to dump the salary. And I think the Brewers continue to remain better off with Braun than without him. Uh, before I let you go, I've got to mention the, the frosty microbrews that you're continuing to uh, to write over at the uh, Timber Rattlers uh, website. Had an interesting one uh, recently, I think your last time out, talking about a guy tra- possibly transitioning from uh, to, to a pitcher. Uh, and, and again, encourage people to, to read this. But what have been some of the uh, the fun things that you've been able to uh, to write about and focus in on over at the Timber Rattlers website this offseason? Yeah, every fall um, I take a trip down in, uh, this year it was early October, to go down to Instructional League down in Arizona, uh, which is really a, a cool camp if you ever get the opportunity to go. Um, it's effectively, it's very similar to a, a minor league spring training camp, just with much smaller crowds. Um, and so you get to see an awful lot of kind of the, the first-year players and some of the younger guys in the organization. Um, for me, as somebody who covers the Timber Rattlers, it's a really great opportunity because most guys there either were Timber Rattlers that season or likely will be um, in the year ahead or the year after that. So it's a first opportunity for me to go down there and get an opportunity to talk to some of these guys that I'll be covering over the course of the year, to introduce fans to them, you know, to learn what makes them tick, to learn what's interesting about them, and to try to share that in a story. Uh, the most recent one, as you mentioned, was about Jose Quas. He was a guy who was a 10th-round pick for the Brewers a couple of years ago. Um, and he's an, an infielder whose bat just hasn't quite come around. Um, but he's always had a really strong arm, and he's getting an opportunity to transition to the mound, and he's doing it at a really interesting time in the Brewers organization because the Brewers just had a pretty significant success uh, with two guys a year ago in Nick Ramirez and Parker Berberet, uh, position players who turned pitchers and came out and had very good first seasons as pitchers. Um, and so these are the kind of stories that you get an opportunity to tell um, in that scenario in an environment where you have a lot of access to guys. And then we kind of go through over the winter and identify, you know, guys who might be stars for next year's team, um, try to get to know them a little bit and give fans kind of a head start on getting an opportunity to get to know them. I'm uh, looking at the Timber Rattlers website, and the, the bobbleheads this year are fantastic. With uh, There's a Ryan Braun bobblehead, and Eric Sogard bobblehead, a bunch of other guys, Chase Anderson, Jeremy Jeffress, uh, Brent Suter, Jimmy Nelson. Uh, this is um, – I'm a bobblehead guy, and it was fun this past year for the Timber Rattlers because they saw Braun um, and they saw some other guys as well. But it uh, looks like if – for Pokes wanting to check out Timber Rattlers games, uh, there's already a ticket package out there where you can get all the all the bobbleheads. That's pretty cool. 
yeah, 2017 was really a banner year for um, the Brewers and Timber Rattlers relationship, um, both because a, a fair number of former Timber Rattlers are starting to concrete themselves in big league roles, guys like Brent Suter. But additionally, the, the Timber Rattlers had the opportunity to host a fair number of rehab assignments last year, including, as you mentioned, Braun and VR, um, a, a large number of others. And so, yeah, it's really, um, that pays dividends again this year um, as the Timber Rattlers get an opportunity to look back and kind of celebrate those moments, um, share them with the fans, and produce some really cool bobbleheads. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Kyle, always appreciate you taking time. Uh, encourage everybody to check you out uh, on Twitter, at BrewFrostyMug. Uh, read you at the Shepherd Express. Read you uh, at the Timber Rattlers website as well. Uh, thanks for taking some time, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again uh, before the offseason comes to an end. No problem. Thanks for having me. Kyle Loebner joining us, and we appreciate him taking some time here on Brewers Externings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. That's about to do it for uh, the program. you got to think here over the next couple, next two, three weeks, we're going to see some more moves with the Brewers. Uh, you know, They've got the uh, on-deck event that's going to be coming up on January 28th. And uh, this year they're doing it uh, a little bit earlier. They're going to have breakfast with the Brewers as uh, that's going to be getting things started a little bit earlier. But it's an all-day deal that takes place at the Wisconsin Center. And uh, the Brewers just do a fantastic job with that event. But, you know, in the past it seems like they want to have their big free agent uh, acquisitions in place to be able to be at that event. Not that they don't sign guys after that. Uh, You know, this is a business thing versus an on-field thing. But I I would just guess. I would just think that there would be um, some more moves before you get to that to be able to introduce them at that event. Maybe that will happen. Maybe it won't happen. Uh, 620 WTMJ, as always, is going to have a huge presence there. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk more about that in some uh, future programs about uh, what we'll be doing and uh, how you can come say hello to us. Again, do want to say thank you to uh, Kyle Loebner for uh, joining us on the program. Thanks again to you. If you do want to get in contact with me, feel free to uh, drop me a tweet at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And we'll talk to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We're powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.